Good morning. <clears throat> they say laughter is good medicine. I think I had my dose for the next six months at least. <clears throat> but praise be to God. We can have fun together. We can laugh. We can cry together. We can share everything together. And we praise God for that. Thank you for Gloria. She has a gift and a talent to play the piano and make it sing for the Lord. So it's really a blessing. And we thank God for her and for Brian. And for every member of this church and all the talent and gifts that he has given to us. Shall we just open in a prayer? Heavenly Father, we just pray right now that you will speak to our hearts through your word. We come with needy hearts. We come with open hearts. We come with willing hearts. We pray that you will speak to us through your word, by the Holy Spirit, to the very needs that we have in our lives today. Help us to focus on you, Lord. Help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus. And look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And we pray that you will hide me behind the cross, Lord, and, and just direct us in this meeting and every word that is spoken in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You know, if you go up into a building, like I work on the 13th floor and you can look down from the 13th floor, or if you go up to the top of the building, or if you go into an airplane and you look down, you see a totally different perspective, don't you? Everything down on the ground looks small. The little tiny cars, the little tiny people, everything looks totally different. The people are the same size and the cars are really the same size, but you see it from a different perspective. Or if you take a pair of binoculars and you take the small end and you look through it, totally different. Totally different. It's a matter of perspective. And we as Christians need to have an eternal perspective. Yesterday we gained that. And the more we've been praying for Kara, and we've all been praying for her so fervently, it's drawn us closer to the Lord. And it's drawn us closer to each other. And we've started to realize what really is important in life. It's not all the possessions. It's not all the money. It's not all the jobs. It's not all the fame and prestige of this world. It's, it's about the Lord Jesus and about our salvation. It's about what He's done in our lives and what we have to look forward to with Him for all eternity. And for every person that knows Christ, we have that blessed hope of being in His presence immediately upon death or at the rapture when we're raptured altogether to go up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye will be raised up together to be with Christ. And it says in that passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. There could be nothing more comforting that you can give to a person is to know that your loved one is with Christ in heaven. We don't want to see anyone left behind. No one left behind. The, the Marines, the army, they have these expressions, no man left behind, no soldier left behind. They'll go back even at the risk of their own lives to bring out even the dead body of the soldier to bring him out. We're going to all go together to be with the Lord. And that's so encouraging to us. And as believers, we should have the right perspective. We should have the eternal perspective because there's only two things that I know of that are going to last forever. The souls of men and the word of God. Those are the two things that are going to last forever. And that's why that should be our focus. That should be our focus in life. Every day is on people, the souls of people and the word of God. And when you combine those together, we can't have a better life than that. 
The title of our message today is The Right Perspective or Eternal Perspective. We're going to look at that today. I know in my life, sometimes I get so overwhelmed by the situations and the problems and work and all the pressure and all these things that it kind of squeezes out what really is important having to do with heaven and the Word of God and the, and the Lord. We get overwhelmed by these things. And sometimes the physical can outshine the, the spiritual in our lives. We, we have to admit it. We need to be focused, though. We need to be focused on what is really important. And that's why this hymn writer said it so well. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. We're going to read just three verses this morning from Paul's writing to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. It's such an encouragement. It's such a joy just to realize God's perspective, God's focus, and how He wants us to have this same focus. When you think of the Apostle Paul, he was focused on Christ. He was focused on people. He was focused on the Word. And when he went to heaven, he said, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. And there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which he has for me. So let's read this portion together. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. May God bless us to focus on what's really important in our lives. Today, we're going to look at three things, three values that we should have. Number one, we should value the inward more than the outward. Number two, we should value the heavenly more than the earthly. And number three, we should value the spiritual or the things that are going to last forever over the temporal. You know, the world's values are exactly the opposite. The, the world says, go for all the gusto you can. Get all the toys you can, build up all the money you can, and the nest eggs you can, because that's all they have on this earth. And guess what? They're going to leave it all behind. And that's why we as Christians have a different perspective, a different value, because we are building an eternal nest egg in heaven. We're laying up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt or where thieves do not break in or steal, because it says where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. So may the Lord help us to have these kind of values. You know, I'd like to mention two men today, and they're very famous men. I know you're going to know both of them. The first one is Ray Kroc. Now, Ray Kroc is the founder of McDonald's. He also had a part in the San Diego Padres years ago as well, owned of, owner of that team. And this is what Ray Kroc said. When asked by a reporter, what do you believe in? He says, I believe in God my family, and McDonald's. Then he said, when I get to the office, I reverse the order. Now, did you get that? When he gets to the office, he reverses the order. Now, 
He says he believes in God first, family second, McDonald's. But then when he gets to work, it's McDonald's, family, and God last. Sad to say, here was a man who started off saying the right thing. God first, family second, business interest third. But when he got to work and he rolled up his sleeves and he started feeling it, and what it took to, to achieve all these things and all the money he wanted to make and build up this franchise to become what it, what it was and is, he turned it around. It's not right. Christians, we need to live the same way at work as we do at home, as we do at church. We need to be the same people. An example of that kind of thing, in contrast, is Tom Landry, the football coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, some of our young people don't even know who Tom Landry was because he coached quite a long time back. But he was a great football coach and he was a born-again Christian. And listen to what he said. The thrill of knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I thank God that he put me in a very special place and he expects me to use it to his glory in everything I do. Whether coaching football or talking to the press, I'm always a Christian. Christ is first, family is second, and football is third. Here was a man, not like Ray Kroc, that when he got to the, to the game and he got to the stadium and he got to the players and he would be a different person. No, Tom Landry was the same person. Christ was first. The Lord was first in his life and then his family and then the football. And when you have that kind of perspective, everything else is going to turn out well. Everything else is going to go well and be a blessing in your life. But the moment you compromise and start deviating from those priorities and putting something above the Lord, everything's going to fall apart. Your life is going to crumble. It's not going to work. May the Lord help us to be like Tom Landry, that Christ is first, others second, and ourselves Last. So let's look first of all at the value of the inward versus the outward. Notice it says in verse 16, though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now, we don't even really need to explain this verse like Bill McDonald says in his commentary, because we all see it. We're aging. We're either getting gray or we're losing our hair. We're getting weak or something is, is happening to us physically. We know it. Outward man is perishing. We just heard this morning that Dave Huete was taken to the hospital and they found out that he may have what's uh, starting to be an ulcer. So he's home resting today and we need to pray for him. We never know what this old body is going to experience. Cindy's got back issues. We've all got things. If you read our prayer requests, it's like a hospital list. You know, it's, it's like in room two, we've got Cindy. In room four, we've got this Dave. And I mean, we need God's help because our bodies are perishing on the outside. But it says the inner man, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And that's the encouragement. I knew a man named Roland Hill. And we, many of us know him who at the age of 103, he passed on to be with the Lord. And I remember we celebrated his birthday party at the age of 100 over in Hayward at the Centennial Hall. And all his friends and all his brothers and sisters in Christ gathered together. And he still had that strength of spirit, that joy in the Lord. His spirit was being renewed. His body was weak, but the spirit was, was strong. In him. And that's the way it is with us as well. But if you look at the world, look how much money is spent on health and beauty 
and physical appearance and how to do all these things. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But it's really not as important as the inward man. Because if you build up your body, you look good and all of that and you don't have the inward, means absolutely nothing. May the Lord help us to realize that the priority should be on the inward, not on the outward. Remember when Samuel went to anoint one of the sons of Jesse and Jesse had eight sons. And Samuel, after dinner, he went and he had all the sons come by. And the first son that came in was so impressive, tall, dark and handsome. His name was Eliab. And even Samuel was just amazed by it so much. He just blurted out and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him in first Samuel 16 and verse six. But the Lord quickly told Samuel, no, that's not the one. Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, for I have refused him. But for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so Samuel said, well, wait a minute, Jesse. You told me you had eight sons. We've had seven here. Where's the eighth one? Oh, I've got a a young son. He's out there with a sheep, you know, and bring, bring him in. Bring him in. Okay. And you can just imagine Jesse thinking, it's not going to be David, right? Can't be David. The brothers probably think, how did they're passing? How did he say, not me? I should have been the one. They brought in David. And then this was what the Lord said, that, that God said, David is a man after my own heart. David has what it takes on the inside. He's godly. He's built up. He's equipped. He's the one that we're going to have as the next king over Israel. And in scripture, that's what it is. But the world says beauty is skin deep and it's true. But with God, beauty of character, beauty of in, and our integrity, our godliness is what's really important. That's really what's going to stand out with people. It's not going to be how good you look or how impressive a speaker you are. It's the heart. It's the heart. It's what's on the inside. If you love the Lord and love his word, you'll have a beautiful spirit. So someone will say, that person has a beautiful heart. Beautiful heart. And so the question is, we know how to fix up the outward man, don't we? We can take classes, we can exercise, we can get beauty secrets. I mean, if you want to turn on the TV, any hour of the day or night, you'll see these infomercials on these products that can make you look younger and look more vibrant and take away the wrinkles and all of these things. You say, wow, you know. But what about the heart? What about your heart? What about your life? What's going to renew you on the inside? What's going to make you stronger? And I came up with seven things I thought about that can help us to renew ourselves on the inside. Number one is spending time with Jesus every day. If nothing will renew you, that will. Number two, being in his word. We have the scripture memory class every Sunday, and it's wonderful to memorize God's word and to obey his word. And we should do that. Another thing that helps renew our spirit is praying, praying every day, praying for each other, praying for the needs around us. Another thing that helps us is to obey the word of God. Jim Hyde was saying it in the scripture memory class today. It's not enough to know it in our heads. We have to apply it in our lives. I like this one, too. Hanging out with godly Christians. You know, who you hang out with, who you spend time with tells a lot about you. If you spend time with godly people, 
the godly people are going to rub off on you. If you spend time with ungodly people, ungodly people are going to rub off on you. We need to be renewed inside, in the inside of our lives. Seeking godly counsel. When the decision comes and we need to make that decision, we need to seek counsel so we make the right decision. And number seven is one that's not easy to accept or handle, but crucifying the flesh. Oh boy, the flesh doesn't like to die. It doesn't like to be crucified. And it has to be put to death every single day. It doesn't die easily either. It'll raise up its ugly head at the most inopportune moments, this old flesh of ours. But praise God that He's renewing us on the inside. And He has a desire to do it. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, it says these words, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Yes, God wants to do His work on us, His surgery on us on the inside. That's what's really important. And I love Romans chapter 2 and verse 12, chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 because we learned it in Scripture memory class. This is one to carry with you the rest of your life. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, if we do that, we will be built up on the inside and we can be of value to the Lord and His servants. Secondly, it's not only important to value the inward over the outward, but it's also important to value the heavenly over the earthly. How many people do you think in heaven right now, including Kara and Don and Wally and all that, how many of them do you think are worried about what's going to happen? How many of them are thinking about the pressures of life, uh, feeling the arthritis or the pain or any of that? No, because they're in glory. They're there. But so many times we lose our perspective and we start looking at how afflicted we are, how much we're under trial all the time. And we're letting that get us down, get us discouraged, getting us anxious, getting us worried. You know, our dear brother uh, Dave, they think he might have a, a bout of this um, ulcer. And ulcer, what it does is it eats away at the lining of the stomach. And it's a sad thing. It's a very tough thing. And all of us can do it if we get agitated. And I can feel with Brother Dave because he's been going through college. And not only college, but law school. And he made it all the way through and graduated. Now he's taking the bar examinations. And the pressure and the stress is unbelievable. And some jobs you can have in life have a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. And we need to leave it in the Lord's hands and trust in Him and allow His peace to rule in our lives because if we don't and we lose sight of the heavenly perspective, we're going to have a hard time. And that's why Paul says here in verse 17, he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And I say, hold on, Paul. Hold on right there. Let me understand this. You're saying that all the trials that you went through and all the trials we're going through, including cancer and all these things were happening, you're calling them light affliction? And some of them last for days, 
weeks, months, and even years. Some people have afflictions that last all the rest of their lives. And you're saying, Paul, that it's, that it's light and it's momentary? How can you say that, Paul? And Paul would just simply ask her, just put it on the scale. That's all you have to do. You have to weigh it there and then weigh eternal's glory. And when you do that, eternal's glory is way much more than that. Because that's what he's really saying. He's not minimizing the trials or what he went through or what we're going through. But he's saying, even though it's a great trial, just remember the great glory that you're going to get. He says right there, he says it's working for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. And that is so incredibly amazing to me. I mean, here was a man who was shipwrecked. Here was a man who was stoned and actually died and the Lord raised him up. Here was a man who was beaten so many times with 39 lashes. He was always in danger. He was always under pressure. They were always... The Jews were always antagonizing him and after him. The Romans, everybody, all these things happening. And yet he can say the light affliction, which is just for a moment. Doesn't that give you hope when you're going through a trial to know that it's just for a moment? It just comes to pass for a moment. And in eternity, all of it will be behind us. We have that hope, that confidence that our life is in Christ. And he is going to give us an eternal Weight of glory. Just put it on the scale and you can see it. You can see it. Bill MacDonald said in his commentary, the lessons we learn through the afflictions in this world will yield the richest fruit for us in the world to come. I'll repeat that again. God gives us, he says, the lessons we learn through the afflictions in this world will yield the richest fruit for us in the world to come. Someone else put it this way. Lifetime is training time for reigning time. And I know that Kara's up there reigning with Christ right now. She's up there sharing that. All the beautiful music, all the wonders of heaven that we don't even know about. The half has not even been told us. We have a few things about how great it's going to be, but it's going to be even greater than that. And it gives us encouragement so that when we go to work and we suffer pressure and we have health issues or whatever, we know that God's using it for his glory. And I know that Kara's up there smiling when she looked down and saw all those people that heard the gospel yesterday, all those people that she knew would never come to church. But through her death, she brought she brought them to the Lord. It's amazing. It's wonderful. There's no comparison between the heavenly and the earthly, the earthly It's all going to pass away. It's all going to fade away. In fact, the earth is going to be burned up and we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth and we're going to be with the Lord forever. Yes, it's a comparison that Paul was very familiar with because in Romans 8.18, the Apostle Paul mentions this comparison again when he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Isn't that beautiful? He says they're not even worthy to be mentioned. They're not even worthy. When Paul looked at his accomplishments in his life in Philippians and he looked at all the things he had done and everything, he says, those things I count as rubbish for the cause of of Christ and for knowing him. That's what it is to him. It is so true. But some of the things we go through doesn't sound very light, doesn't sound very momentary, but to Paul, he had the right perspective. 
And then I read a beautiful story about D.L. Moody. This really touched my heart. D.L. Moody said this. He said, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody died. He said, don't believe a word of it. At that moment, he says, I shall have gone up higher. That is, out of this world, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal. A body that death cannot touch, sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. And then he goes on to say, I was born in the flesh in 1837 and I was born in the spirit in 1856. That which is born of the flesh may die. And I like how he says may die because if the rapture comes, and he was looking for the rapture, if the rapture comes, we may not have to die. We'll just go right up in a moment to be with the Lord. But I love how he said that. He says that which is born of the Spirit will live forever. What, a, what an encouragement to our hearts. What a, what a thing to build us up and give us confidence and peace and joy in Jesus today. The writer James Packer, who is a great Christian author, once said, For those who have learned to love and trust Jesus, the prospect of meeting Him face to face and being with Him forever is the hope that keeps us going no matter what life may throw at us. Have you ever watched a baseball pitcher and the pitcher gets ready to throw and he throws the pitch and sometimes they'll show it in slow motion. And you see that pitch and it just comes up and all of a sudden drops right down. And the batter thinks he's sizing that thing up and he's ready to hit it. And he swings right over the top of it. It goes right by him. That's the way it is with life sometimes. Life throws you a curveball. You're not ready for it. We're not ready for the tragic things of life to happen. We want to say, slow it down, Lord. Don't let it happen to me today. Let it, let it be peaceful today. Let it go restful today. Let everything be good. We always pray that things will go easy for us, but God knows what we need. He knows exactly what He's doing. Like Adel said yesterday in his message, He doesn't make any mistakes. Or as the hymn writer says, Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth may pass away. But Jesus never fails. Did He fail Kara? No. Did He fail us? No. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He knows what He's doing. And He's working all these things out for the good in our lives to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So that's the second thing we need to realize. We need to value the inward over the outward. And we need to value the heavenly over the earthly. And finally, we need to value the spiritual over the temporal. Notice in verse 18, it says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That's hard for us to get our minds around, isn't it? You're telling me, Dean, that the unseen things, the things I can't see with my eyes are more important? Yes. Because man, we can, things that we can touch and we can hold on to and we can grasp and we can possess, these things seem to be so important to us. But really, it's the unseen things that are more important to us. Can you see your salvation? No. He saved us. We have it. It's something that's unseen. Can you see His love for you? You can't see it, but you see the result of it. There's a lot of unseen things, spiritual things that God has for us. And when we delight in that, we get so encouraged. 
You know, there's a spiritual warfare going on that if God was to open the curtain and let us see it, we'd be scared to death. We would run under, we would be under the chairs, we would be hiding because we would be seeing the war that's going on in the heavenly places between the devil and his forces and the angel and the forces of God. It's going on constantly. And it's going on in our lives because the devil is fighting for every unsaved person. He doesn't want to give up without a fight. He doesn't want to see those people saved. He doesn't want us to be blessed. He doesn't want us to be obedient. He doesn't want us to serve the Lord. And so there's a spiritual conflict going. It's unseen. It's in the heavenly places. And it's going on right now. And as we pray, that battle rages and the victory of the good over the evil takes place. Just like when Moses was, was praying, he held up his hands and Joshua and the people of Israel prevailed. But when he got weak and tired, he lowered them down and then the Amal- Amalekites prevailed. So they had to prop up his hand with Joshua, or not Joshua, with her and Aaron. They held up his arms and then God's victory came about. We should hold up each other in prayer. That's the only way that we can have success and blessing is to hold e- up each other in prayer. But all these things that are seen, they really are beautiful. I mean, we have a beautiful world. There's a lot of beautiful things to see. But then as soon as you start comparing that to what heaven's going to be like, I can believe it's going to be so much greater. I mean, it's going to be so much greater when we get to heaven. We can't even describe it. It's going to be so wonderful. To compare the unseen with the seen is what Paul wants to do here. We're so blessed. There was a man named Moorhead. I'm not sure what his first name was, but he said this. A little joy enters into us when we're in the world. We shall enter into joy there. Real joy. Full joy is when we get to heaven. And that is where we're going to have our full joy. He says a few drops here, an ocean there. If we think we have joy here, if we think we see beautiful things here, if we think we have blessings here, it's nothing compared to what heaven's going to be like. Because it's going to be so incredible. No more pain. No more death. No more sadness. No more sorrow. No more tears in heaven. And that is going to be the joy for each one of us. There's a great godly man named John Henry Jowett. And he wrote these words about this verse. He says, to be able to see the first is sight. To be able to see the second is insight. So when you can see the physical things, that's That's sight. But when you can see the things that are unseen, that's insight. That's true spiritual sight. He says the first mode is natural. The second is spiritual. The primary organ in the first is intellect. The primary organ in the second is faith. And that's why faith transports us because we're able to to see what the world cannot see. We put our faith and confidence in the living God stepping out knowing that He's going to take care of us on Monday morning. He's going to take care of us every day of our lives. He's going to watch over us. And whatever He allows in my life, whatever He allows in your life, is according to His will and He'll give the sufficient grace to handle it. Before we look at a situation and we say, I could not handle that. There is no way. Didn't you think of that when Abby got up there? I came to her yesterday. I said, Abby, I love you. I said, and I appreciate what you did because what you did was hard. Because I remember when my dad passed away, how hard that was. And I remember the different people that have passed away. And it's hard to get up. Can you imagine getting up and sharing 
on your mother and what she means to you and what she did for you and everything. She had to stop a few times, but she got through it and the Lord gave her grace. And I said, that was a blessing what you shared. It was because the unseen things are so precious. And what she said is, I want to paint a picture of my mom for you. The Lord wants to paint a picture of what he's done for us. And it's a beautiful picture and he's not finished with it yet. vincey has got a portrait of you and he's working on it. Or a, or a marble statue and he's working on it. He's not finished yet. He's not finished with me. He's not finished with you. The final product will be when we stand before him as Kara is, perfect in Christ, conformed to the image of Christ, we'll be done. We'll be ready. Until then, he's got work to do on us. It's going to take trials and afflictions to get us where we need to go. Discipline, chastening, all of these things are combined to get us where we need to be. Someone once said, the more of heaven there is in our lives, the less of earth we will covet. And that is so true. The closer you get to the Lord, the further you get from this world. It's just that way. Until once and for all, we're going to be free from this world and we're going to be with Him. And we're going to leave it all behind. Some of you kind of laugh whenever I gave that story about how the man cannot go into heaven carrying the hearse with all, you know, and all his money with him. He's not going to be able to do it. There's no U-Hauls that you can carry with you into heaven. You cannot do it. You've got to leave it all behind. Have you ever heard these stories? And I'm sure you have on TV where you've seen people, they've had fire. And fire has burned their homes. I read a story recently. It burned almost everything. And the, the wife, she was looking through some precious pictures that she had. And, and then her husband, he went to the charred, charred letters because those were the love letters that he sent to her. And I thought, wow, what a thing. That was valuable. They lost it all, but they had that. They had each other. And, they, and we as Christians have the Lord. When we have the Lord, we have each other. If this world is, is gone and we don't have anything else, thank God we have more than enough because we have Christ. And He is all we need. The unseen things. The things that are really important, that really count. There's three great gates in the cathedral in Milan over in uh, Italy. And over one gate, there's an inscription in marble with a beautiful flower bouquet that says this. The things that please are temporary. That's on the first gate. The things that please are temporary. Then on the second gate, there's a cross. And over that cross is this inscription. The things that disturb are temporary. Boy, wouldn't that help us just to remember that all the time? The things that please, the good things, the victorious things, the successful thing, temporary. The hard things, the disturbing things, the problems, the frustrations of life, also temporary. But then it comes to the third one, and it's right in the middle at the third gate. And over this inscription, it says, the only is important, the only thing that is important is that which is eternal. So on the one hand, the things that please, temporary. Other gate, things that disturb, temporary. But the things that are important are the eternal things that will never change, that will last forever and ever and ever. It's amazing. It is totally and completely 
Fantastic. The question is for us today, are we focusing on the right things or are we allowing ourselves to focus on the things of earth, the things of that are going to pass away, the things that are temporary and temporal? We need to have the right perspective. So as we sum up today, let's have the values that really count, the inward, the things of God, the work that he's doing in our lives through prayer and through his word and through fellowship and through all the things we have, let's emphasize what's on the inside. Let's not judge people by the way they look, the way they've done this or that. It's the heart that counts. That's what Jesus said. And then we also need to have the heavenly perspective, not on the things of earth, but on the things of heaven. And we need to also have the spiritual perspective, the things that are unseen, the things that are really important. And when we close the book of life, and we look back on our life and all the experiences we've gone through, we can say, thank God for everything. Thank God for everything. I know Jim Sisko really likes this song. Sometimes we've sang it on Wednesday night for the worship team. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah by and by, I'll fly away. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to fly away. We may think of it like flying like a bird, flying like an airplane. We're going to fly away. But however, he transports us. Life to heaven is a bridge. And whether you cross that bridge by death or you cross that bridge by the rapture, it's still a bridge. We're going to walk straight across and immediately be in the presence of the Lord. Are you here with Christ in your heart today? Maybe you've heard the gospel many times but you've never really received him as your personal savior. You know about him. You come to church. You like to come to church. But have you accepted him in your life? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Have you come to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. I confess my sins to you right now, Lord. I want to be forgiven. I want to have that eternal perspective. I want to have heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with the Lord. I want to go where where Kara is. And you can have that assurance today if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Hopefully, some people yesterday will get saved as a result of it. I can't wait. Wouldn't it be fantastic if we get up in heaven one day and we see some people and they're talking and they say, well, how did you get saved? Well, you know, I went to a memorial service at San Ramon Valley Bible Church. It was on Cara Lorenco. I knew Kara. I didn't know her that well or whatever. I I went to the service and I heard the message and I went home and I thought about it. I didn't get saved right away, but later on I got saved. And then they'll say, here's Kara. Here's Pastor Adel who gave the message. Here's this one who is there. Here's that one. We're going to have stories like that because people get saved later. We might share with them and later on in life you find out that person got saved and what a joy it is. Well, you can have that joy today and you can make the angels really happy today because it says the angels in heaven will rejoice over one sinner who repents. Let's make the angels happy today. Let's have at least one who comes forward and says, I want to be saved today. I want to know Jesus today. I want to have that eternal perspective, knowing that my sins are forgiven, that life is more about just than making money and being successful and having family and things. There's got to be more to life. And there is. There's eternity to be with him. And so we can have that perspective. Shall we just look to the Lord in prayer this morning? Father, we just want to thank you this morning 
that you've given us a fresh look about what really is important in life. It's not the in- outward, Lord. It's not what we look like or what we, how we dress or appear. But it's the inside. It's the heart. It's what counts. Help us, Lord, to have this perspective, the true eternal perspective. And help us to have the perspective on heaven and not on earth, Lord, because earth is beautiful and it has a lot of beautiful things and things we're involved in doing, Lord. But when you compare it to heaven, it can't compare And all the momentary light affliction that we go through, Lord, is going to pass away one day. And the glory that we're going to receive as a result is going to be so far greater than anything we went through. Lord, help us to look at the unseen things. Not the things that take up our attention because they distract us and we see them. Earthly things, but help us to see the heavenly, Lord. To see your face today by the eyes of faith. And to see how much you love us. We just thank you now this morning and this afternoon and we just commit our day to you and thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.